This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Everything has energy and consciousness, even your coffee table. Quantum physics gives us a peek into this unreal world behind what we call reality. How we feel about our homes has an impact on the energy there, and vice versa. So if we feel good about our homes, it just confirms the good feeling there. The opposite is also true, says Maureen Kalamia. A luminous space is restorative and nurturing. It is a place that inspires us, helps us achieve our goals, and ignites our personal power. In creating luminous spaces, Maureen Kalamia shares her groundbreaking method using feng shui and biophilic design to achieve greater harmony in our lives. By tapping into the wisdom of the five elements, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water, we can restore our bond with nature, both our inner natures and our outer world, which is vital for greater joy and peace in our lives. The Five Elements is an ancient system that is simple and available to all of us. Maureen shares real stories from her life, clients, and students, which demonstrate how the elements have enriched their lives. She also includes thought-provoking exercises, meditations, and practical ways to create an environment that will enhance our well-being. Maureen's book is both a teaching on the way of nature as well as a workbook for spiritual growth. We are in a time of a great shift in consciousness and we are just starting to understand, again, the ways of nature and its power over us. The ancient and the modern ideas come together in this cutting-edge path to help guide us during this shift and discover our hidden light within our authentic selves. Maureen Kalamia In this episode, Valeria interviews Maureen. Maureen Kalamia is a founder of Luminous Spaces Feng Shui School and Renature Consulting as a corporate speaker and retreat leader, an expert in energy, mindfulness, stress management, and consciousness, she helps her clients restore greater well-being by tapping into the five element archetypes. Maureen merges the wisdom of feng shui and earth energy healing with biophilia, our need to be truly connected to the natural world for joy and well-being. Author of Creating Luminous Spaces, Konari Press, 2018, she empowers others to discover and nourish their true nature in their inner and outer spaces. Maureen has written for Huffington Post, Elephant Journal, Mind Body Green, and OM Times Magazine. Here is the interview with Maureen Kalamia.
In your own words, who is Maureen Calamia? Oh, that's a good question. I am very much uh, a person who I feel works works and lives from the heart and want to, I guess, I continue to strive to make myself the most, um, I guess, as spiritual as I can to be as highest vibration and to help others also follow that path. Mm, that sounds really good to me. Thank you. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Creating Luminous Spaces, use the five elements for balance and harmony in your home and your life. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off record. So the first one is, what is life to you, Maureen? Wow, that is a big question. I think our our lives are a an opportunity for us to live this physical life, but from a higher plane, from that spiritual level, and to remember that we're spiritual beings and not just these physical um, bodies that we are. And it's to continue to evolve in our level of consciousness. I love that. Yeah, they're remembering who we are, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think is the opposite of life? Wow. <laughs> that is a, geez, opposite of life. Um, I think it's when we lose that connection to our spiritual selves and we're living in a, an illusion of just this material world. Wow, I love the way you use that word, um, illusion, right? What is another word for nature? Love. <laughs> wow, love that. I have to use the same word. Uh, since you said the word love, this is one of my questions here. Uh, what is love to you? Love is being able to see that higher, that higher being in others and not just reacting from where they are right now in the moment. Um, and it's being open and free. Oh, wow. That's amazing how you use all these words that I, I'm attracted to. Uh, <laughs> life, love, freedom. <laughs> what is the meaning of well-being to you? Oh, I, I think I, I keep going back to, you know, higher consciousness. But it, I think our health and well-being is all centered around being aligned with who we are um, and having that awareness and mindfulness and presence in our lives. Mm, yeah. Would you also use the word balance? Oh, yeah. Um, that is a really, really good um, word because it, everything is about balance. It's, it's kind of the balance between different opposing forces which are necessary in life but um, living in balance is absolutely key, I think, to living a really good life. Yeah, and another word you use in, um, as the subtitle of your book, balance and harmony, the powerful words that I connect to well-being, right? Right, yes, and harmony. Um, well, harmony is when we are vibrating at the same level with another person, another being, or even a space. Mm -hmm. We're in nature. So we're, we're just in harmonious vibration with that other 
um, in our lives. It, it, it obviously is connected to music and the vibration of music being in harmony. Yeah, so true. Yeah, that that makes me think of music and harmony very much. Everything's connected and so perfectly connected. Mm-hmm. So many elements, right? Different yes. elements. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Yes. You know, my whole mission in life is to help people see beyond this veil of our physical existence in the material world. And of course we need to be physical. We're, we're physical beings. Um, we need material resources, but to realize that that's not our goal. That's just kind of a, a means to an end of this journey of, of really imagining who we really are and, it, it is so important to be able to um, to raise our consciousness again. I, I keep saying that, but it is just so important. And it is, yeah. Do you see, envision this happening anytime soon in the sense of um, manifesting in this reality? I actually do think that we are on this course, and I know there's many out there of um, this kind of age of Aquarius that we've been shifting into ever so gradually over the last century or so. Um, But I think now it's accelerated so much. So, um, you know, the age of Aquarius, although I'm not an astrologer, it it is totally my hobby and passion of mine. But, you know, Aquarian energy is all about humanitarianism and kind of that like higher vibration of love uh, for others and community. And I do feel, and it's also about freedom. So I feel like this energy is shifting. And unfortunately, we are living through pretty tumultuous times. But it, for anything to shift, we have to experience that kind of shadow. And that darker side gets, gets um, per- it percolates up. So we have to kind of move through it. And I do believe, especially now, going through this time in 2020, uh, that we are going through a tremendous shift. And I do feel like, yes, um, we are shifting to that higher vibration. Yeah, it very much feels like, doesn't it, uh, Moraine? Yes. At this time. Yeah, it's beautiful. And continue with my warm-up questions. The next one's about God. What, where, and who is God to you? Oh, wow, I was raised Roman Catholic, so I have that kind of ingrained in my head of that um, old man <laughs> in, <laughs> yes, you know, in a cloud. <laughs> what I feel is it's more about a light. I feel that it's a light that pervades everything in the universe. And it is the most highest vibration that we could ever experience and just divine love. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Yes. Um, I, I definitely call myself a spiritual being. Um, I think religion is just, um, as many do, I, I feel like it's more of a, a man-made uh, structure to kind of keep uh, people separated kind of from the divine, uh, ironically. Having kind of a, an an intermediary between you and the divine 
which is which is not necessary. And, and I'm not saying that all religions aren't valid or I do feel like it, when they are practiced at the highest vibration from each of these religions in the world, there is uh, a beauty and just divine love in all of them. But I do think that because of the material requirements of this world and hierarchy and power, it kind of can corrupt different institutions. So I think if we are spiritual beings, you know, for me, that's where that's that's what's important. Yes, I agree. And that is very much true uh, that religion, for some reason, creates a lot of separation. And that's the sort of the opposite of what uh, God would want. Yes. Uh, and my last warm-up question is, again, about life. What do you think is the ultimate purpose of life? Okay, I think that it's for us to continually to grow and to open and become more aware of our multidimensional being. And, you know, life throws us challenges. And I feel like each of these challenges are, is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. So it's just to, again, um, as we learn and grow, we are raising our, our vibrations. We're raising our consciousness. And um, I feel like we've had many lifetimes to go through this process of continually learning and growing. And, you know, I, I do feel like a lot of people um, just kind of stay at a certain level and don't open up to the experience of, of this amazing process of learning about yourself, learning about how you impact others and how you impact your thoughts and behavior and, and things that are attracted to you or not. And, you know, I, I just think that this right now is a great time for people to see that and to really grow. I love the way you connected the ultimate purpose of life to self-discovery. Right? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. So true. So let's talk about your work. How did you become a writer, Maureen? Oh, that, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, it is funny because if you told me I was going to be a writer when I was in grammar school, I would have, I would have not believed you because I hated reading. Right. <laughs> I hated reading. I had trouble like writing. Um, although I wasn't dyslexic, I, I did have some kind of reading challenges and it, I didn't start really reading on my own until I discovered astrology. And so, you know, they're, you know, they always say, you know, if you don't like reading, find something that you love to read about. And um, I, of course, then that started my whole spiritual process. But I guess it was around probably about 12 years ago now, I, um, I started getting the early inklings of wanting to write a book that was going to probably originally appeal to more of a mass audience to show them the connection between nature and their relationship with nature and their well-being. And that process evolved over many, many years. I wrote, I don't know how many drafts, but it was probably, it wound up being a total of nine years working on this project. 
And yeah. And, um, once I, but the, the book shifted so much, like the purpose and the, yeah, the whole kind of purpose of the book shifted tremendously from beginning to end. And, uh, when I finally got the subject down, the outline down, I wrote the book in like five months. That's amazing how writing is. It's magical in a way. It has its own life. Absolutely. Right? It's so amazing. I agree with the starting with one idea and then it changes. So that's a, I cannot even understand. Intellectually, it's hard to understand. I mean, it's impossible must to understand. Yeah. I, you know, I think that, you know, I was really frustrated with how long it was taking me to come up with an outline for the book. I mean, I was literally writing this outline on and off for about seven years. And the thing was that everything I learned in that, in the course of that seven years shifted my whole like thought about what this book should be. So it, it really drastically shifted the whole um, focus. And it was meant to be, obviously. And, and then, of course, there's the process of getting published. So <laughs> that's another process, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. I think it happens. It really uh, takes this magical course when we are open, using the word you used earlier. Being open is very important and receptive. Yeah. What inspired you to become a luminous space creator? What a beautiful word, luminous. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I started, I started exploring, um, you know, the esoteric type of um, thought, you know, as a teenager in, in astrology and then going to meditation and then yoga. And, and it, I kind of went down this path. And I was also interested in buildings. I, I had a real keen interest on architecture. But when it came down to the point of selecting a, a degree for college, I went to the business route and I, I became a marketing professional. Um, but after, after about, I guess, 20, no, about 15 years doing that, I started feeling like this really wasn't feeding my soul anymore. And I, I really felt the call to do something different. And I didn't know. So again, it took me several years of kind of exploring different modalities and different topics. And when I found feng shui, I immediately was immediately knew this was what I had to study. And I was literally sitting in a chair in a class about a month later. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and really when I was learning about feng shui, I realized how much it mirrored all of my passions together, architecture, geology, you know, learning about the earth, astrology, kind of space planning, spiritual practice. It was all in this wonderful discipline called feng shui. Wow. And that, uh, it's also connected to biophilia. I don't know much about it. So talk to me about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So biophilia is a term that simply means um, that as humans, we have a love of life. We gravitate toward living things. And it's just totally makes sense. And a few decades ago, um, it was realized that our indoor spaces were literally 
practically all devoid of any kind of connection with nature and of life. Uh, so they created this discipline called biophilic design to bring nature indoors. And this is something that I came across in my early years of practicing feng shui. And I immediately saw a connection between the two disciplines. In fact, biophilic design is known as kind of the modern take on feng shui. And I, you know, have been studying it ever since. And now I actually teach my own online course on biophilic design. That sounds wonderful. I didn't read much about feng shui. I didn't even know the the pronunciation. I am imitating you now. (laughs) You are doing good. (laughs) I wrote it down here. Feng shui. How beautiful. Can you tell me the history of feng shui? It's a Chinese, Japanese? It's Chinese and literally means wind and water, which are the two major agents of change in nature. And because we know that Well, life is all about change. I mean, nothing is static. Everything is constantly changing. It was developed like four to 5,000 years ago, perhaps. And it is said that pretty much every culture in the world, every indigenous culture had their own kind of form of feng shui because it was really about looking for places to build and to live. So it just, it was very you know, logical things that they would look for. They would look for land that was fertile. They would look for water source so that they could irrigate their crops and they could, you know, have water to sustain themselves. And um, and then also like the form of the land became important. So for protection from bad weather, but also protection from uh, enemies. So it's just kind of a very natural process that developed over the thousands of years and it is, I think, you know, so it's, it's basically living in harmony with nature, with the earth. And now with um, kind of this post-industrialization society, you know, we have found ourselves living in places that were 100% made of, you know, man-made materials. And, um, you know, I think feng shui is one of those things that's more relevant now than ever before like helping us reconnect to that nature and the earth. That sounds really wonderful to me. This is your work. So to create those spaces, even in places like Manhattan, New York, that it's, I mean, although we do have Central Park, I lived in Manhattan for many years, but I didn't enjoy as much as I do now in Long Beach by the ocean. That is so. Oh, yeah. Beautiful area. Yeah, urban spaces are uh, are a real challenge, and you know whatever parks there are um, are precious in urban areas, and we need more. Absolutely, need more of them. Yeah. So, talk to me about the luminous space. How? What is the the concept, and how can we create them ourselves? Oh, sure. So. I actually had a, um, an experience when I was, um, 22 years old, I was sitting on a beach in Maui early in the morning and I was alone and I was watching the sunrise actually behind me. Um, but illuminating the beach and, um, the Island that I could see. And it was one of these moments that 
I would say at this point in my life, I wasn't very spiritual. I was, uh, I was kind of <laughs> dabbled in it, but I was really struck by this feeling of awe watching that sunrise and realizing here I am, you know, across the world from where I grew up. And there was just this feeling that overcame me. It was like a feeling of oneness with everything around me. Um, I felt everything was so much more alive than I had even noticed. It was like all of my senses were activated. And I guess you could say it was one of those, you know, big kind of I wouldn't call it enlightenment moment, but it did wake me up and it stirred something in me very deeply. And years later, when I started a meditation practice and the instructor, you know, who was guiding, it would always say, go to a place in nature that you love or, you know, make one up or whatever. I always found myself going back to that beach. And then when I started, um, you know, searching about what to do with my life, I felt like I wanted to take that experience of that amazing experience and bring more of that into my everyday life, bring it into my home. And what, what can do that? And that's how I learned about feng shui. That sounds amazing to me that this can be done. So how did you do it? How did you bring that? That's almost hard to put into words, right? That experience. Yes. And right. And I, I call that my luminous experience. So, um, and it, you know, became the name of my, of my, um, business, but you know, it was the acknowledgement that we need nature. So bringing plants in is big, being able to position myself in my home where I can benefit from natural light sense, you know, smells are really important. Uh, colors that we surround ourselves with, uh, you know, so, and patterns and material. So bringing in elements of nature and basically what nature is, it, it can be called down to a very simple system called the five elements. And so bringing those elements into your spaces bridges your home to nature and kind of makes that connection. And that is something that is part, uh, is one of the foundations of feng shui. And then um, you bring all the elements, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water, or you choose, we choose some of them. Well, so I think it's important, you know, and in feng shui, you know, it's important to have representations of all of the elements in our homes. But what I've kind of focused on in my book and, you know, in my work with clients is determining what element they need. And a lot of times, well, first, those five elements that you just said are in everything in nature. And because we're part of nature, those elements are within us. Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and what is so cool is that we, we are born with a particular element that is our primary element. It's It's where we kind of come from. We, it's our perspective on life. It is our, you know, kind of lens that we see things, but it's also our drive and our motivation for things in life. And I find working with clients that sometimes that element has been neglected. And, you know, through different experiences that we have in our lives, 
we may forget that we are truly a wood person, but we're, we're coming from a metal type of energy because that is what we needed to build on. And we then kind of get stuck in that. So I like to look at where are people now? What is their really true nature element and support them in their spaces with that element? I love that idea. And how do we find out the element, Maureen? Astrology or... Well, yeah, there are a number of different systems and they don't all tell you the same thing, um, which can be a little confusing because which, which system is right. But astrology is definitely one. I mean, that's one system, uh, using your birth date and, but there are different astrology systems. We have the Chinese and we have the Japanese that both use the five elements. So you could certainly find out what your element is based on your birth date. But kind of the way I like to go about it is through the use of a personality quiz. And and actually, this quiz is in my book. It's also on my website. Um, but the one in the book has like three parts. So you can actually, you know, really delve into what that um, what your kind of drives and motivations are and what you are most happy doing through these different assessments. So I'll have the link at the end on your podcast profile. It's interesting how you talk about shift in consciousness and being the authentic self. How are they connected? Shift in consciousness and being authentic. Yeah. So, you know, as I, I was just kind of saying before regarding the fact that so many people are not living their true nature they are living from something that, you know, perhaps life has thrown them challenges to develop a particular element. Um, and then they wind up getting kind of stuck in that and, and not feeling fulfilled in their lives. And then there's also, um, you know, people that they, uh, they kind of shift their different elements throughout their life because, um, maybe as a child, they were given the signals that having certain traits was more prized than others. So they kind of mold themselves to be different. So many people are not living from their authentic nature. And I think that is a huge reason for disharmony within people and not feeling fulfilled, you know, not feeling joy for what they do. Oftentimes people are mismatched in their occupation. You know, um, there are certain occupations that are better suited to different personality traits and not to say that you could be one element and not do an occupation from another element, but you need to be able to express your true nature element in whatever you do. That's interesting. When you say not being authentic, it makes me think about not being in touch with that your spiritual self or who we really are. We are not in touch with that, which goes back to nature, right? Just um, Absolutely. Because nature is connected. Right? And, I, and I do think that once you, um, once you start living from your, or at least, at least acknowledging your talents and skills and being able to exercise them, to live from them, um, you're going to naturally because you're living more authentically in your life, you're going to naturally have a higher vibration or a higher level of consciousness. I love that idea. If we all can 
try to do this. I'm just wondering why, for so many of us, it's challenging to uh, go back to the authentic self or to remember who we are again. Why do you think that happens? Yeah, I think, I think again, it kind of comes back to experiences where our authentic self was not, was not acknowledged or wasn't valued. So people then it kind of becomes your shadow <laughs> because you're it, it's 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 qualities like, for instance, let me give you, for instance, someone whose fire is very extroverted. They are they are very heart centered and love to connect with people. And they really love being on a stage, even if it's not a, a real stage, but just kind of being the center of attention. They love that. But there's nothing wrong with that. They are very charismatic and they help people by um, lifting them up and feeling passion for things. They inspire people. And I, I call them the inspirer. They're, they're known traditionally as the wizard, which is another cool label, but inspirer. So they have, they're a bright light. And if that quality in them was squashed as a child, perhaps they were told to be quiet and not boisterous. As a child, fire, fire children tend to be kind of loud and giggling a lot and trying to, you know, command attention. Well, if that was squashed as a child, they're going to, you know, feel that those qualities aren't, um, aren't good. So, you know, it's hard for people to sometimes connect with that. One of the questions I kind of have is to try to spark that with people that may have a challenge with identifying as a child who they were is to have them kind of think of, you know, what they love to do. What were they passionate about? What were they always doing as a child? You know, and you've got like fire kids again, where, you know, where all the friends on the block would gravitate around them or in school, you know, and they were the ones that would, you know, make people laugh and have fun, you know, mm -hmm. where another child maybe loved to sit in their room and read. They were much more introverted and they were happy with that. That would be someone who's water. And that, um, that element is known as the philosopher. I also call it the imaginator because they've got great imaginations and they are artists and creators. And they may not have felt like they could fit in with the, you know, with the majority of, you know, uh, friends or, you know, children their age. So, you know, there's there's different qualities with each of these elements. And sometimes people can then go, oh, yeah, I remember I always, you know, I love to collect X, I don't know, whatever, and, um, and, and organize it and, you know, and label them. And I was so proud of them. They were probably metal. Mm. They're probably metal because metal is known as the organizer. They love structure and organization. Now, since you, you begin, that's very interesting. I have you one of my questions, the qualities of the elements. So you spoke of fire, water, metal. Um, Talk to me about the other two, wood and earth. Earth, yeah. So I'll talk about earth because that is, um, uh, you know, it's very, it's known because it's still a Western element, earth. 
Earth is all about the energy of stability, because think about it. We walk on the Earth and it's there. It's there for us. It's solid. It's stable. It's reliable uh, for the most part. And um, so Earth is connected with being that quality of person for others is is being there for other people. So other people love to go to an earth person when they have challenges because they know the earth person will be there for them and will support them and hear them out and make them feel better. They're also very nurturing people. Um, and it's known as the label is the peacemaker, or I also call it the negotiator because they're really good at connecting two different people who have conflicting ideas and trying, you know, they're very good at making a resolution between two conflicting sides. Um, They want peace. They really um, abhor conflict. So they will do whatever they can to create peace. And um, they're also the archetype of like mother energy. I think a lot of us connect those qualities with the ideal mother. Then we have the wood element. And I love wood just because I am wood. Mm -hmm. But um, wood is all the vegetation out in nature. Um, So all the trees, uh, flowers, um, all the plants. And the wood uh, energy is that of very um, great vitality and movement. And it's just like sprouting up of those uh, plants in, you know, early spring, you know, busting right through the soil and reaching up and trying to get all the sun it can. Um, of course, all the leaves have recently um, come out and budded and, and everything is lush. That is wood energy. And wood is known as the pioneer. And I love that label because it, it talks about kind of, you know, reaching for about, you know, beyond the boundaries. So think about the pioneers in, you know, the early um, United States. Um, and that was like, you know, reaching across this barren land or unknown, unknown land to, to discover. That is the wood element. The wood element loves to do and um, be the first. They're very competitive and yeah, loves adventure. That's interesting. The way you describe them makes me think about the uh, divine feminine and the divine masculine energies. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they are all, um, yes, yeah, some of these qualities, personalities, it's um, connected to the, more the masculine than the feminine. Absolutely. And you know what? These five elements come out of the concept of yin and yang which are those, you know, the masculine and feminine in Chinese, in Eastern philosophy. And so, yes, there's definitely some qualities that are much more masculine and ones that are much more of the feminine. And like you said earlier about that we have all these elements, Mm -hmm. so it's just a, a matter of balancing them. So it goes back to the balance idea and harmony. Yes, Right. If we are looking for happiness, joy, and inner peace, yeah, that will be the balance. How wonderful. Let me see if I have another question for you. Yeah, you talk about the experiencing the spiritual void. It's interesting. I think we have been talking about this, this disconnection from nature. I would like to ask you the question, how do we choose if we are about to buy a home or to rent a house? 
what is the best way of doing that? Keeping everything that you said in mind. Yeah. So what, you know, it all, all of this comes down to is when you enter the space, how do you feel? What kind of comes up in you? And, and, and for many people, it's really hard to be aware of that or they discount what they're feeling um, as not important. And they focus more on the, you know, physical things of how much money is it? Where is it located? You know, is it a good school district? And of course, all that stuff is important. But um, how do you feel in that space? Does it make you feel good? Or does it make you feel not so good? And I, I that is really, you know, number one, because any space that makes you feel good, and you feel light right. <laughs> uh, rather than heavy, um, you're going to be able to just do some great feng shui stuff. I feel like if a place doesn't make you feel good to begin with, there's, it, you know, feng shui, applying feng shui after the fact is not going to get you, um, is not going to get you there as well. And one of the other things that helps kind of visually is what is the land telling you that this house or rental is on? How, how much energy does the land have? Does it have really good energy? Um, is there a lot of, um, plants and vegetation? Does the soil look rich and abundant? Is there wildlife? You know, it's kind of going back to 4,000 years ago when they were looking for places to live. Does this, does this land feel like it can sustain you? Not only sustain, but to, to allow you to thrive. So at all levels, the physical and spiritual and mental. I like that. I like that a lot. So basically using our intuition, just being mm-hmm. more connected to ourselves. <laughs> That would be yes. the best way. It goes back to what you said about the purpose of life. It's a self-discovery. So everything goes back to that. Yes. That's wonderful. Two thoughts came to mind because I was reading your work. I just uh, kind of walking uh, in my place. And then I noticed that there is a place that I don't feel well. I really don't. Like I become cold. And I also w- wonder why it's a granite table. It's black. And it's where we eat, but I never, I'm never comfortable when I'm there. So I was wondering why. And then I wanted to ask you a question. The elements, the five elements doesn't include air. That's, I think this is my element. So it doesn't say air here. So I'm just right. Right. (laughs) So air is actually um, connected with the metal element. Um, all of the elements are from actually used in traditional Chinese medicine as well. So each of the elements are connected with an organ system in our body. And the metal element is connected with the lungs and our breath. So it's about the air we breathe in. So, yeah, it is a little different than the Western elements. The traditional ones, metal. That's yeah, good to know. Yeah. That's good. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. So back to your eating area. Yeah, right. Did you, is it a change? Have you, did you feel differently if you had a different table there or at a different point? Or did you, do you always kind of feel not really supported there? Hmm. This is a new table. Ah. Yeah, this is a relative new place too. We have been here for less than a year now, almost a year. 
So it's a new table and I don't feel well around the table or yeah, close to it. That's kind of interesting. I always felt it, but I never really, yeah, I never really talked about it. <laughs> it's really, you're kind of pinning it down to the table, not the area of the home. Yeah, it's a table because when I look at it, something, I have to look immediately to the ocean. So it's, I almost wanted to balance the energies because it doesn't give me the support as you spoke of. So yes. I kind of look for the water and the air kind of support me. And I breathe too, kind of deeper in a way. So that makes sense. The granite, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's granite, um, but it's black. Right. So it may feel, um, a granite table, maybe it feels also heavy. Right, it does. Maybe there's something subconscious about it that feels um, threatening to sitting there like it could fall on your lap kind of I'm just <laughs> I, I think not not that it would but we have to be very we have to be very um mindful of the metaphor of things and when things appear heavy they could feel threatening mm. so it, it could be something like that um and of course logically you know it's not going to fall but um but your um, kind of primitive brain doesn't process logic. <laughs> it's, true. it's just based on survival, right? True. Um, it could be that, or um, it's, I mean, it's, it's earth, but if it's super, super black, um, it could also feel like the water element because water is black and blue. Oh, um, wow. It's kind of interesting though, you're, you're connecting it with the ocean, looking out at the ocean. But if you are, if you are really a metal person, which you don't know yet, but if you are, um, it could be draining your energy. It feels like it. That's very much the case. Very much. And I will find out why. So I have to take the test, the quiz Uh you have (laughs) to find out what element. But this is amazing. I love your work, how it made me think about the the house and how I feel in each room. And even with each piece of furniture or anything that's in here, I'm always, yeah, now I'm feeling more. Before I was just, um, I was aware but not really, I was not thinking, it was not a thought, it was just the awareness. But now it was like in the background, right? right Your home yeah. was kind of now. I mean, something else with the table. I mean, is this, um, was this purchase new or was this from somebody else? No, this my fiance's was in, in his house, so that came from his place. Yeah, so think about you know, the energy of that. And maybe there's some kind of clearing that needs to be done yeah. for the table. Right. He used to do work, I think, in this table, a lot of business transactions and very mental things, uh, kind of, uh, yeah, away. That's very much things that are away from the heart, that energy of the heart. So that might be it. Yeah. I need to do some clearing and cleaning around that table yeah. that's a good idea yeah and what would be really lovely is to you know just thoroughly clean it um purposely to kind of clear any energetic stuff but then also i mean a very popular um way to do a space clearing is using sage 
Oh yeah, I have it. Um, So a stick of sage. So you just light that and like smudge the table. So just make sure you get smoke all around the table above and below it. Right. And with the intention of clearing out and open the windows and just like allow that, um, that past energy to just fly out the window and to dissolve into nature. Mm. I'll do that, Maureen. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great idea. So clean with water and then the sage. Yeah. And you said below too, not just on top. Right. Right. Yes. All around it. Yes. yes. Thank you. So I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book? Okay. Yeah. I have two little paragraphs here. I'll read. Okay. All right. At the very core of connection, our homes feel a basic psychological need for shelter and safety, but they should do a lot more than that. They should provide connection with others and a sense of belonging, space for rest and replenishment. If your home does not satisfy these needs, it will create disharmony in your life. Beyond basic needs, our homes hold powerful, symbolic and psychological significance in our lives. As culture and society have shifted, the emphasis and meaning of the role of family and work in our lives, the role of our homes has evolved too. These changes can be categorized in three main ways, away from familial connections, as a canvas for creative self-expression, and a respite from today's stressors. So, you know, in there, I talk about how, you know, the familial connections, I mean, you know, not not too many generations ago, we lived in multi-generational homes. And now we're really separate. Many of us are separate from our family members, our siblings, our parents, our aunts and uncles and cousins and all that. And, you know, the, there's that kind of lack of, of that um, lineage, you know, brought through to our homes. And, um, and then of course, you know, many of us live in homes that, you know, we've got, you know, two or three people living in the home, but the house could hold 10 people (laughs) and, you know, and there's just so much, um, so much space that we're spread out and we're not really using the space because how could you use the space, you know, in a, in a uh, mindful way and honoring way, um, so places get neglected in the space. So, and that's very good to know. Yeah, like you say, I love the way you have in your book. You said everything has energy and consciousness, so everything is alive. Yes. Yeah, it needs to be given attention to. I agree. Would you like to add anything else, Maureen, before I ask you my final questions unrelated to the subject? <laughs> Um, I, I think that's it. Yeah. So my first final question is what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself as of today? It was that I needed to, I realized that I needed to feel control in my life. And I had um, several really hard years of recognizing that gripping of trying to control a situation in my life that I couldn't. And that that growth that came from that, that was a huge shift in, in how I viewed 
life and how I viewed me. And, but it was a really painful process. And that's what growth does, right? It creates these painful experiences. But if we learn to learn from them, we come out so much richer. So true. So true. That makes me think about the opposite of that, which is surrender, uh, letting go and acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. So my next question is about uh, self-love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I believe in it, but I haven't achieved it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, all of us are practicing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that's part of being human, but uh, that is the goal, right? (laughs) It is, Maureen. Yeah, it's a great practice, isn't it? If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I would probably talk to some people in my family that uh, I'd probably give a call to them and tell them I love them, that I haven't in a while. That sounds really good. And then interesting things that we don't know when this is going to happen, right? Yeah. Do you think it's possible to know? Have you met anyone who actually knew that they would pass? No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think even, even um, the elderly... Man, you think they're going to pass, but they don't. <laughs> True. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's just impossible to know. Yeah, impossible. it's such a mystery. Yeah, it is. Do you believe in life after death? Absolutely. You do? What kind mm-hmm. of life? I, you know, I think, I think when we go, we have a wonderful celebration with people that we've lost in this lifetime and past lifetimes and you know our soul group we get together with our soul group and then after the celebration we start planning on our next return mm-hmm. and okay what do we got to learn then <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting idea <clears throat> very interesting one uh, my last question what are three things about life you know for sure as of today I know for sure that we are spiritual beings in a physical body. I know for sure that we are light and love, every single one of us, but some it's not as easy to see. And I know for sure that we must, we must really develop or exercise our ability to be compassionate for others and ourselves. Yes, I agree 100%. Beautifully said. It has been a meaningful conversation. Thank you so much, Maureen, for your presence and your wisdom. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Valerie. It was a pleasure. And my final technical question, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Awesome. So my um, business is called Luminous Spaces, and the website is that name, but there's a hyphen, luminous dash spaces.com. And when you go to that homepage, you will see the quiz that I created for uh, to determine your true nature. And you will see information on my consultations and all of my online courses that I offer in feng shui, earth energy healing and biophilic design. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Maureen. And we'll talk soon. Oh, thank you. Bye for now. Bye bye.
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Maureen Calamia, please visit her website, luminous-spaces.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.